The Lord be with you. I want to share with you tonight, um, what would I say, just a fun little story that has enormous repercussions that is in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Now it happened as they went, and they're just going along the road, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. Okay, I'm pretty certain that most of us tonight have either read that story or are aware of it the story of the two sisters. And let me tell you the story um, and to pull out one or two words there so we can flesh it out and understand what really was going on here. Uh, First of all, this lady, Martha, her sister, Mary, there was also a brother that you're very well known, um, Lazarus. The, the fellow who was raised from the dead. There was a, the three of them, two sisters and a brother. That's all we know about them. We don't know about any parents or spouses. And it apparently, the three lived together. And in that trio, Martha is, the, what shall I say? She's the force. Um, whenever they crop up in any way together, it's always Martha that takes the lead. She always takes initiative. And so they lived in a large house just a very short way from Jerusalem. And in that large house, believe it, uh, she had complete control. She ran everything in the house. Uh, how did others see her? Um, as I read, and this is purely, I'm one of the others, as I read of Martha in the New Testament, um, she was the hostess. If you go in that house, you know who is the hostess in this house. She was the cook. I'm sure she had healthy times, but she was the cook. She was in charge of the menu. She was the cleaner. She's the sort of person that, you know, that they walk through the house with a list and they're crossing things off and writing things down as they go and everyone else around them is slightly nervous because somehow everybody feels that they're being checked up on. Um, maybe you would say she was one who was fussing. You know those people, they're, they're, they're like hens pecking, uh, looking for something all the time. That, that, that's the person. And they set everybody on edge sort of thing. 
She's the one I would call her bossy. Maybe that's being unkind, but certainly she seems to be the one. I say she takes the initiative. She gives the orders. She makes the statements. She would appear to be fearless, but but the way she speaks, uh, it hurts people sometimes. She's blunt. She would tell you that she just tells it like it is. In fact, how did she see herself? I, I would say it is hard to get into people's heads, but again, looking at the stories, looking at the data we have, she would see herself as unselfish. Yeah, unselfish. She would see herself as responsible. Not only that she was supposed to be responsible, but she would sum up her life and declare of herself that she is responsible. She is working her fingers to the bone, all for the good of others, you understand. All for the good of others. That's all she does. Okay, that was the house. Mind you, um, let me be very plain. I mean, I suppose I've given a pretty nasty snapshot of this lady. But in all of this, Martha and Mary and Lazarus were among the three best friends of Jesus. And when all of the pressures were on Jesus, uh, when he came to Jerusalem and he was harassed by the Pharisees and the temple leaders and the, the crowds were crushing him, he would sneak off to the house of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. It was where he could lay down and put his feet up and feel completely at home. They were the best of friends. And in some of the very blunt statements that she makes, especially in John chapter 11, it's obvious that she had received insight, the same insight that Peter had received when Jesus said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My father in heaven, when he called Jesus the Messiah, the son of God. Um, Well, Martha had that same insight as did Mary and I'm sure Lazarus. Um, And so don't don't get the wrong impression. Now, I I just described Martha, but I I say that... um, They were best friends with Jesus. Now, on this occasion, it was very unexpected, even in the way it's written here. Now, it happened, sort of a happenstance. As they went, just as they're walking down the road, he entered a certain village. They weren't necessarily going there. It just, it was on the road that they were walking on. And it was the village where Martha, Mary, and Lazarus lived. And so this was an unannounced, unexpected, suddenly Jesus is at the door. And with him, he's got 12 disciples. And some of those disciples were big, uh, muscular fellows from the Sea of Galilee, fishermen pulling in their nets and fighting storms with their sails. Yeah, it was quite a sight 
to see Jesus and 12 of those kind of chaps standing there. And he's coming in and he's going to sit down there in the spacious living room. And this was Martha's moment of glory, you could say. Uh, Her mind is racing. I mean, Jesus is here with the whole of his entourage. This is the time for a feast. It's the time for a banquet that is fit for Jesus. And I, I see, I, I've, I've, met, I've met Martha many times, many places. Uh, the, the mind is racing, running through the possible menu and then the, the decoration of the table and how we're going to set it up and where they can sit and, uh, and which china are we going to use and, and what color. I, I mean, this is Jesus. I can see her. It's, it's an excitement. She's almost beside herself with excitement that she, Martha, is going to set before Jesus a banquet that is in keeping with who he is. Mary, maybe, I say maybe, the younger sister, I I don't really know. The only reason I would say that is that Martha was always pushing ahead and first to talk. Maybe she was elder. I don't know. But Mary was most unlike Martha. And as all this is going through the head of Martha, and she's seating the guests in the living room, and she goes to the kitchen, Mary did not go to the kitchen. And it says that she sat at the feet of Jesus. That does not necessarily mean she sat on the floor literally at his feet. It's a Jewish expression, and it means to be the student of. It means to call a person your teacher and listen with full concentration to absorb and become the message that your teacher is giving. So, to sit at the feet of, she might have sat anywhere along with the other disciples, but she is focused, concentrating just on what Jesus is saying and recognizing that his words are indeed the words of life. Um, the other time that expression is used, if you're interested, it's in, in Acts when it speaks of Paul and Paul gives his credentials as a Pharisee, he said that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the leading teacher of one of the schools of the Pharisees. And and so Mary sat at his feet. Her ears are open. Her heart is open. She is focused. She is listening. Martha, meanwhile finds herself alone in the kitchen with her head spinning with what she's going to do for Jesus. Maybe, I am inserting this for sure, but maybe her attitude at that point was, well, if no one comes to help me here, Jesus will know that I did all this by myself just for him. Possible. 
But as Jesus is speaking to the disciples and to Mary who is there in the living room, in the kitchen, the vegetables are being prepared. The pots begin to bubble and the steam of the kitchen begins to rise. The smell of the roast cooking fills the air. And, and Martha's doing it. Martha's doing it. And, and of course, there's a dessert to be made. You understand, whatever. Uh, and again, menu for desserts. And there's a table to be laid. And where we're going to put each one of them. And, uh, and the decorations of the table. On and on and on. And as the temperature in the kitchen rises and the steam fills the atmosphere, and we're beginning to run out of time here for an evening meal, I, I can see Martha. It's not only the temperature rising, she is getting more angry by the minute. And look at her, bless her heart. Her, her face is getting redder and redder. And, and she's been in the flower, so there's flour all over her hands, and she's trying to brush her hair, so there's flour on the face, and her hair is sticking out, and, and, and she's getting angry and angry, and she, she's watching the clock. We're, I'm all alone here. And then I can hear it. I mean, it comes through loud and clear. I, I, I can hear her there in the kitchen muttering to herself, it must be nice. Oh, it must be nice just to sit and listen like my lazy sister. I'm just the slave girl around here. All I do is give, 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 give. That's all I do. Work for others, work for others. I have no rest. Someone has to be responsible around here. Someone has to be unselfish and serve others. Her plans to serve Jesus have sort of become fuel for a nuclear explosion because that's about to happen. I can see her. She's ready to tear her hair out. She said, where is Mary? I need help here. And I suppose from the living room you could hear it because you know how it works. You're trying to send a message to someone without actually saying anything. And so the pots begin to bang against each other and the cups are rattling and she slams doors as if to say, can't you hear, lady? I'm out here alone. I need help. Get out here. Isn't it? <laughs> the, the, this lady, you know, the one who's got to control everything and do everything and be in charge of everything and write her lists. And <sighs> she gets worse around Jesus. Isn't it amazing? Because I've met people like this. They act like this in their workplace and in their home. But whenever they come to the church, whenever they would come to the Lord, oh dear, it gets much worse. 
it gets much worse. It was bad enough when they were serving their next door neighbor, but now they're serving Jesus. Much worse. Her control has gone off the scale now. You see, it's obvious, again, if you spend enough time to, to milk out what is in these passages, in her mind, please, she, she thought she was doing the right thing. Bless her heart, she did. She thought she knew what Jesus wanted. That's an amazing thing, you know. She thought that she knew what Jesus wanted. And as far as she's concerned, everything she's doing is for his good. She's serving him. This is an act of love toward the one she calls and knows as the Son of God. I know what he wants. I know the way things should be. Trouble is... She doesn't at all. And the kitchen, which is the assembling of all her service to Jesus, has turned into a war zone. And then she can take it no more. Yeah, again, get the picture. That dear lady with the hair sticking out and her apron all askew and she's covered in flour and the sweat from the steam in the kitchen and she bursts in and interrupts the meeting in the living room. And what would you expect she would do? I I would expect she would go over to her sister and say, I need you now. But she doesn't. This, This is an amazing thing. It says she went to Jesus. I mean, get this picture. He's expounding the words of life. And everybody is hanging on his words. And in bursting from the kitchen comes this woman aflame with upsetness. And she goes directly to Jesus And she says to Jesus, Lord, do you not care? Which, of course, uh, is posed as a question. But um, the, the, the truth is, she is saying to him, you don't care. It's that they pose it as a question, the same as when they were on the lake, you remember, in the storm, and Jesus is asleep, and, and they said to him, do you not care that we perish? Well, the, the, the question is sort of just softening the blow. Really, they're, they're saying you don't care. She was saying, you, Jesus, you, you must see that I'm overwhelmed in doing good. She's coming on as a victim here. Poor me, poor me. I'm overwhelmed. And she says to Jesus, you tell my sister, Lord, you do not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. Are you getting the picture? Mary is sitting over here. 
This is not only accusing Jesus of not caring, but Martha, Lord Martha, she is now seeking to control Jesus and tell him, you tell Mary. All the time Mary sits there, obviously embarrassed. What has happened to this woman? She has lost sight of Jesus, essentially. Her horizon is filled with her plans, well, with herself and her plans to serve Jesus. They fill her horizon. And she's now the fear, the fear. And of course, underneath every victim is some sort of fear. And the fear is, I had these plans, but they're not going to work unless I get some help. And... But suddenly, it's it's not about Jesus. It's about the meal. It's about Martha being alone. And it's about Jesus. You should have cooperated. Mary should have cooperated. Blame, blame. But blaming Jesus? And when her tirade had finished, Martha, Martha, the... Double, where the Hebrew people, when they said a word twice, it was to intensify it. Um, so, and we don't, except for proper names, we don't have that in English. Uh, so, like when we, we translate perfect peace, in the Hebrew, that is peace, peace. It, it's, it's to intensify. And Jesus' heart is going out to Martha. These words are not in anger. How dare you interrupt the meeting? Who do you think you are to try and control me? No, no. There's an intensity of love, of concern. Martha, Martha, Martha. It's gentle love. And he said to her, you are worried and troubled about many things. Yes, many things. The whole kitchen was full of those many things. And her brain was even more filled with the many things. But he said only one thing is necessary. One thing. What's he saying? It's the gentlest way. I, 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 never, I never get over how gentle Jesus was and is. He was saying, in effect, I really, I really do not need your banquet. Not really. I, I don't need that. I don't, I don't need all your dishes. Martha, it was a, a beautiful idea. And you're preparing a beautiful meal. But really, it's at the wrong time. We we don't need that. Right now, with what's going on in this room, a cheese sandwich would just be fine. And he goes on to say that Mary has chosen, now in my Bible and most others too, It translates it, Mary has chosen that good part. But the actual meaning of that, we could translate it as Mary 
has chosen the best dish in the house. You, you are in the kitchen, Martha, driving yourself to distraction, preparing what you consider to be this wonderful banquet. But Mary actually has chosen the best meal in the house. She's chosen the best dish and she's enjoying it and I'm not going to take it away from her. That's, that's an interesting point. We're going to come back to that. But he said, Martha, well, it, it begins, it, it, it says, Martha was distracted with much serving. Distracted. Um, it's a very strong word. Incidentally, I, I hope you recognize most of us have something of Martha in us. Some of us have a lot of Martha. We, we've trodden this pathway, distracted. Distracted, it means to be torn apart. It, it's as if everything and everybody wants a piece of you. So they're dragging you apart tearing you to pieces. And in this case, if you've heard how I've understood these words, Jesus was also in Martha's mind part of the distraction. Not that he had wanted anything from her or given her any directions, not that she'd even asked, but in Martha's mind, Jesus was one of those that was now tearing her apart. It's a tragic thing when our perception of the service of God tears us apart. She was distracted in preparing what in her mind was her greatest act of service to Jesus. Distraction. When you're torn in every direction, you are driven in life. You don't live life. You're driven like a cattle. You're driven by a thousand voices that you believe that you have to answer yes to. Reminding yourself, I'm not selfish, you say. I'm not selfish. I, I, I say yes to everybody. I'll say yes to every need that I see in front of me. Harassed by the demands that are upon me. Do you, do you know what I mean by a, a strip outlet? You know, when you've got uh, lots of plugs on a strip and you put all the devices in there. The, the, Martha reminds me of that. She, she's a, a strip and she's basically... Say, plug in, plug in, plug in. Every voice, every person, every need, whatever has to be done. It's me, it's me. I'm not selfish. I'm not selfish. I serve, I serve. Plug, 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 until she's drained. And Lord, can you imagine Martha with a cell phone and a Twitter account, dear Lord? And then Jesus diagnoses Martha's situation. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. That's his diagnosis. He says, 
you are anxious. You are anxious about many things, worried, anxious. I mean, full of care, like a burden on your shoulders. And your mind is going around and around in circles. You know what I mean? Oh, what shall I do here? What shall I do? And you're back to the first question. What shall I do here? With, with no answers. And, and, and you're getting a headache. Your mind is a divided mind. And sometimes then it gets a paralyzed mind. Because you just don't have questions to all your thoughts. You're fretting. You're, you're in a turmoil within. What's another word? You're overwhelmed. You're drowning in your responsibilities, you are anxious, said Jesus. You know, anxious. Anxious always has the what if in it. What if? Anxiety is never living in the present moment. Anxiety is always thrusting out into the future. I mean, what, what if, if it doesn't cook right? What, 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 what if, if I've done something wrong with the cooking and it comes out all wrong? And what, what if there's not enough? Look at the hungry fisherman. What, what if I haven't cooked enough? What if he doesn't like my dish? I'll be the talk of the town if I don't pull this one off. Anxiety. And he says, you are anxious, you're worried and troubled about many things. That's a strong word. You know... When, when your coffee pot is percolating, you know what I mean? When it's beginning to, now it's making the coffee and, and you hear a bloop and a bloop as, as the water comes up and spills into the coffee to go back to come up and bloop, bloop. And, and as the coffee nears being made, it's bloop, 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 bloop. That's exactly what this word means. It's when within you, there's continual eruptions of anxiety and fear. It's a word that, that means your inner person is in, in a turmoil, little eruptions. You are deeply disturbed. And if we could open a door and listen in on what's going on inside, it would be a bedlam of noise. Of voices demanding, do this, do this. Chaos, confusion. In fact, the word is used in the scripture to describe a crowd, a mob in an uproar. It's like the zoo at feeding time. Oh, poor Mary. Poor, I'm sorry, poor, poor Martha full of worry, anxiety, and trouble, all over a jolly meal. And there sits Mary in peace, listening to the voice and the words of Jesus as she explodes in anger and blames Jesus and Mary. Look, let, let's understand this. In the entire living of our Christian life, and all within that life that we might call service to the Lord, which of course in fact is the entire Christian life, 
our whole life is called in Romans an acceptable service to the Lord. So this includes how you are in the home. Please don't think this is just spiritual work. This is, this is not just when you're doing stuff in the church or for the church or doing some evangelistic outreach. No, this is life. All encompassing together that this is life. Totally. And this is work. This is when you go to, to do your job, wherever you spend your day. This, this is your play, too. This is when you're in school. It's, it's life. Your interaction with neighbors. All of that, biblically speaking, is an act of service to God. But you put a Martha in there and you have this chaos. You find yourself filled with anxiety, trouble inside, and then it comes out as snapping anger, harsh words, and a good deal of blame. And if she did that, if he had only done that, and so on. So let me say again, in terms of the entire Christian life, where there is no joy in the doing of it, where there is no peace in the doing of it, then you're standing there with Martha. And if we had two or three hours here to turn this into a seminar, uh, then we could show you in detail how this works out into all of our lives. You see, only one thing is necessary, said Jesus. One thing is needed. Oh, Martha, Martha, you're, you're distracted by so many things. None of them are needed, bless you. Beautiful lady, bless you, but we don't need it. It's not necessary and it's driving you crazy. You stand there, you're being driven, driven by every self-imposed demand. Every person who shows up in your life, you say yes to plug in here, plug in here. And you become a divided person. You're like that piece of rope that all the cats want to play with and shred. You wake up in the morning and on your covers of the bed there's a pack of wild dogs ready to set your agenda for the day. And it's Mary who has the best dish in the house. I'm sorry, Martha, what you're cooking in the kitchen, though I know your mindset in doing it, but... It's not necessary. The best dish has already been served and is being eaten by those in this room listening with undivided focus on the one voice, the unifying voice that integrates us, makes us whole, that puts all the other voices in life in perspective. And what Mary and the 12 disciples were doing is what Jesus 
said is the way he lived his life. Um, if you remember, Jesus said that he always listened to his father, that, that he didn't just run off at the mouth. He listened to what his father was saying. He didn't just go like a bull in a china shop to do what he thought would be nice. He said, I, I only do what I see my father doing. And now Mary and the 12, they are doing the very same thing. They're listening. And that voice... That one word, voice, brings perspective and order and harmony to the whole of life. Living life to the full is not responding or being driven by every voice that comes on my ear with yes, no. Every need in front of me does not have to be answered by me. This may shock some of you. I know it's taught in some churches. If there's a need, you've got to fill it. Let me be very frank. If I had been guided by need, I would never be sitting here in Bandera, Texas. I'll tell you honestly, I'd be somewhere in Africa. Because when I went to the Africas and toured those southern nations of Africa and saw the need, there was a part of me, yes, very real, that said I ought to be here. And and the Holy Spirit made it very plain, no. You leave a deposit of truth here, but from the United States you can reach here and beyond And for me, that was God's word. Now, thank God there were others from the United States who were there and lived there and ministered there, and I blessed them there. But when we see a need, it doesn't mean I've got to fill it. When someone says, do this, it doesn't mean to say I've got to do it. I'll end up a distracted, worried, troubled mess like this dear lady. There's only one thing that is necessary. Listen to his voice and let his voice then order your day. Let his voice be, I say again, the integration point, that which brings everything else into line and together into wholeness, which is always filled with the strength to do, the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, the peace of God that passes human understanding. And, of course, there's not only voices in the present, and I just mentioned this, but the voices from the past. I know people that are still being ordered around by the voice of a parent that has been dead these 20 years. Voices from the past. You ought, you should, you must. And somewhere deep inside, an unhealed part of us says, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And if you get into the legalism of organized religion, you'll be living by, I ought to do this, I should do that, I must do that. Whereas when I began my ministry um, after Bible school, the 
the person who was speaking at that time, they, they said, burn out for Jesus and do a work for God. And for the first years of my ministry life, I tried to do a work for God. I had so many Martha's kitchens. And I did burn out for Jesus and became a heap of religious ashes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's many places we hear these voices from. And we end up blaming Jesus, mad at God, because all of our beautiful plans for him don't come to pass. So we blame him and then hate our brothers and sisters because they didn't get involved. They didn't help us and so on and so on. No, Mary, said Jesus, has chosen the best dish. Mary becomes the prototype of life in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and from within us guiding us, leading us into all truth. See, now, since the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, Jesus doesn't, doesn't just drop by and sit in our living room. No, that's what he said. When I leave, it will be to your supreme advantage because the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of Jesus himself, lives within us. Very different situation. Mary, I say, becomes then the prototype of that life that is lived in union with the Holy Spirit. Ears tuned to his one voice and receiving that for the word that he speaks is the bread of life. It's the strength that I need. He speaks his word. In that relationship, he gives me strength for what really is to be done. Not, not the clamoring needs that always come with anxiety attached to them. What really has to be done always has the peace of God attached to it. And also with that comes the strength of love the strength of compassion to do what I have to do. And so there's no guilt attached to what I'm doing. There's, there's no shame. There's no ought and must that comes with all the gentleness, with all the kindness, with all the joy, with all the peace. And we live in this life in the Holy Spirit where it says, be anxious for nothing. How does one do that? It is not, let me say what it's not. It is not stopping at every new opportunity, every five minutes, every question, every phone call, stopping and saying, is this your will, please? No, 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 that is, that's not relationship. That's, that's a royal religious pain. 
What I'm speaking about is that we submit our day to him. Submit the day to him. You see, everything we worry about, he is completely in charge of it. He's got the whole lot in his hands. So we now choose to place our life in his hands, deliberately to do so. As Mary, she chose the better part. We we place it in his hands and, and we ask him to sort it out. And we ask that he shall speak with peace within us through the day which shall be our green light and that we shall be given the ears and the eyes and the awareness to recognize the red light of rising anxiety and learn to just simply live in a step with him, live in tandem with him so that his voice, I say again, is the healing voice. It's the voice that makes us whole. It's the voice that integrates us. And we become people of peace and people of joy. Never to presume we know what God wants. Never to do something to surprise him. But rather, well, okay, the word is submission. We live in submission. See, Martha, what should Martha have done? Because I I hear it all the time. When they talk about this story, they say, well, you know, someone had to do the meal. Someone had to do what's what's wrong with Martha? They sort of feel Martha was treated unfairly. And then, of course, you get another approach to this. People say, well, I, I, I'm the Martha ministry, meaning the Marys are the do-nothings who sit. Um, no. What you have here, a picture, a snapshot. We do what Mary did every morning. That's how we begin our day. It's how we end our day, if you please. It's it's the sharing of life. It's the sharing of agenda. It's a sharing to the point where we know as we walk through life where his path is going and we become aware of all our self-imposed demands which end up as toxic love. And we only... Why why do you self-impose duties upon yourself except some sort of religious pride i'm sorry but that's the truth what should mary have done it was pride that says i know what he wants i know the way no you don't martha you don't you should have laid your plans before him shared them with him look jesus this is what i'm thinking right now I think it would be a jolly good idea if I I cooked the roast and we had a dinner, blah, blah, blah. And she would have then found out that that was not his plan. He would prefer Martha to be sitting there and when necessary, we could all get up and get cheese sandwich or something. Even have someone else bring something in. Uh, But the reason I'm at the house, Martha, is not for a banquet. It's to share my heart with you. And if Martha had submitted her plans to Jesus, this would be a very different story. 
And the word I said is submission, and that's become an ugly word in some people's minds. It's an old word, and it simply means to stand under in order to fit in with an overall plan. It'll take another hour to go into that, but for now, that's all we need to know. And the epistles, go through the epistles and see every time we are commanded to submit. Submit to God, submit one to another, and so on. It is the attitude of standing under. That's the ultimate service, ready to obey. Standing under in order to fit in. And sometimes the fitting in, you are hardly noticed. At other times, fitting in, everybody notices. But that's beside the point. Who notices? You're fitting in with the overall plan. And the result is, we have the best dish in the house. We have the meal that Jesus was serving. It's an amazing how many times in the scripture... Uh, we, we have reference to this relationship with the Holy Spirit within as a meal. I've talked about that before. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, that's interesting. You, using our taste buds to describe a relationship with God. Or was that Psalm 90? Is it where, where, where it says, oh, satisfy me with your loving kindness. And that word satisfy is a word you would use after having eaten Thanksgiving dinner. You are glutted. You're full. You can hardly move. That's the word. So he's saying, eat loving kindness. But maybe very apropos to this story, in Psalm 23, David says, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Yeah, Martha's out there going crazy, preparing a meal for Jesus. Whereas the real thing that's going on in that house is that Jesus is preparing a meal for everybody there. And Martha was at the t- uh, Mary was at the table. She chose the best dish, you see. Very quickly, it, it says, Mary has chosen. Mary has chosen that good part. Chosen. That's interesting. She, she wasn't there by default. Didn't just happen to show up. She was in that living room listening to Jesus by choice. And I'm suggesting that was some choice. Because one look from Martha would have been enough to fill Mary with guilt that she should be out in the kitchen. One look one beckon of the finger would be enough to intimidate Mary. You, you know the people I'm talking about. They, they, they've created their movie for the day. 
and they've already determined that you are going to be one of the actors. And they come and basically tell you what you're supposed to be doing. It takes the strength of God sometimes to say, I don't want to be a part of your movie. You've got me written down on your little list, but I'm sorry, you might as well cross it out. I don't want to be part of that. I'm not going to be sucked in. I own my life. I am guided by one voice only. And he gives peace to all decisions that flow within his voice. Mary chose. I don't think she said anything. You don't need to. I think people can feel the energy of your ownership of your own person. They can see you're living by another voice. But Mary chose. Mary chose. And she chose to give a listening priority. She didn't listen to Martha. She was listening to Jesus. Martha missed it because she was listening to a list of needs in the kitchen, a list of needs that she had created in her own mind. Well, there you have it. By the way, what happened to Martha? Ever thought that? Verse 42 It ends with what Jesus said to Martha. What happened to Martha? What did she do with this? I'm sorry. You know those infuriating things on TV where you just wait for the answer and it fades to black? It fades to black. It doesn't tell us what happened to Martha. Maybe that's because the end of this story is all about us. What do we do with what Jesus said? You understand? What do we do with that? Basically, it's saying it's of little importance what she did with that. It's what you do with that. To begin to reprioritize life so that I can bring into my life some very concentrated listening, which will then orientate the whole day to a listening in my heart. And a new kind of relationship will begin to develop. And we will enter into peace. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, says Romans 14. It is righteousness. It is peace. It is joy in the Holy Spirit. And I trust that every one of us will enter into that rest and know something of this life in Christ. And now the blessing of God who is almighty love the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, His life, His joy, His peace that arises from His voice 
of love within you, that be your portion, your best dish. So I bless you, and so it is. Amen. Malcolm Smith's ministry is dedicated to guiding believers into the reality of experiencing daily fellowship with the Father. This has been another message by Malcolm Smith. For more information and more teachings by Malcolm Smith, including a full catalog, please visit www.malcolmsmith.org.